0: Hey y'all, welcome back to a brand new episode. Okay, so I decided, actually no, what happened was I fell down a rabbit hole, you guys. I fell down a rabbit hole and I have now discovered that there are not one, not two, not even three, not even four of these movies, but there are ten. There are ten Swan Princess films, yes, Yes, 10. Do you remember Swan Princess with Odette and Derek and and the other cast members? Well, girl, there are 10 movies, and we're going to talk about... Probably all ten of them at some point. I'm going to go out of order, though. I only wanted to watch them out of, like, my level of interest in them. I remember the first three somewhat from when I was a kid. I remember number one because I've seen that movie a million times. But as far as two and three, I remember things about two and three. I will go over them and rewatch them just to make sure, like, I, you know, because I want to tell y'all the accuracy. But today, we are actually going to be talking about the seventh installment. That is The Swan Princess Royally undercover. So, this movie actually isn't... It's not terrible. Um, Like, I've heard that some of the entries are just awful. And I did see, like, a few of them, like, in passing. And they were just... Yeah. I'm going to catch you guys up, and then we'll talk. So... In the fifth installment of The Swan Princess, uh, Odette and Derek end up adopting a little girl named Elise, whose father passed away at the beginning of the movie. Her her mother died when she was very young, so she's very, like, Odette-esque, very much so. She even has, like, a similar look to Derek, kind of, well, I mean, I guess the hair color and the eye color, so there's, like, that. So she's kind of a, a an interesting cross between them, and it's almost, like, why was she even adopted if she's so similar to them? Why why not just make, them make her their daughter? Like, I love the fact that she's an adopted daughter to them, but at the same time, because of the fact that she so closely resembles them story-wise, I guess, and has, like, features of Derek, sort of, it just doesn't make sense why they couldn't have just had a child. I don't know. Anyway, that film came out, I think, in 2012. And then, honestly, after that, like... They've kind of been, no, 2014, I'm sorry, 2012 was the Christmas one that she is not in. It was it was weird that they, like, brought Swan Princess back all these years later with a Christmas film and then decided the next film she was going to, like, you know, there was going to be a little girl who was going to carry us into the newer films. So, anyway, this movie takes place, well, two films after that film. Again, this is the seventh installment and it's called The Swan Princess royally undercover. In the beginning of the film, there is this mysterious figure, because a lot of the Swan Princess films, like, start doing that. Like, I think the second film is where that, no, maybe the first film, I don't remember. But all of them, I guess, in, at some point have, like, this mysterious situation that we don't know what's going to happen until, like, later on in the movie kind of situation. So, in the beginning of this movie, there's this mysterious figure, and there's a dam. And he, this, this figure is trying to basically uh break the dam. He wants like, you know, the the kingdom to flood, I guess. So he ends up poking holes into the dam and then kind of disappearing. We see that he has eight fingers and then like there's two mechanical fingers. So right off the bat we know that there's someone who is missing some fingers. Or not having a mechanical finger, so whoever this villain is going to be is probably going to have to wear some sort of gloves because other, like if he doesn't, it'll be kind of obvious that it's him, and this person clearly does not want to be seen. So anyway, so we start. Uh, we flash to Odette and Derek, who are visiting this neighboring kingdom to sign, I think, some sort of, like, agreement, some kind of, like, peace agreement. And the king in that kingdom was also friends with Odette's father. And so there's, like, a lot of mention. There's a lot of mention of the king in these these newer movies, which I like. I think that's kind of consistent, you know, because it kind of shows, like, even though, you know, he dies in the, you know, pretty much the opening act of the first film, he was still very important to the kingdom. He lived a very long life, obviously. So there's, you know he has importance and i love that like the 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 first two sequels don't really talk about him as much as i can remember but the newer ones seem to talk about him like they will almost every movie talks about him to some degree and i'm like that's kind of cool that they decided to you know continue talking about uh i think his name is king william long after he's passed even like odette's adopted daughter talks about king william um, but no one ever talks about Derek's father, which I think is interesting. Or, or Odette's mother, for that matter. This movie doesn't really focus too much on Elise. It kind of focuses more on Queen Huberta. Uberta, by the way, is, um, Derek's mother. She's, she's queen. Derek and Odette are in this kingdom, and Derek is the one that spots, like, hey, there's water leaking throughout this village. He kind of gets the idea that, oh no, there's, like, the dam is going to break. What are we going to do? But before that happens, um... They're there to, like, get some flowers as well. Like, I guess they have, like, beautiful flowers, you know, on the way there. And they see that everything has been bought up by somebody. And they're like, wait, who's buying up all the flowers? Like, what's going on? And they meet Count Antonio. So the Count has bought everything up. And he's a nice guy. You know, he seems very sweet and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he ends up trying to give some flowers away to Odette, Derek, and the chef. Uh, one of their chefs in the kingdom comes along with them on this trip. And he's just, like, not having it. He's really upset that he can't get his hands on some flowers. So the Duke is kind of like, well, you know, let me share them with you. So he kind of gives them away to him as, like, a peace offering uh, to take back to the kingdom. So he's really trying to fit in, um, just trying to be nice, cordial to them. He also helps out in the village to, to help everybody escape this this dam. It's interesting, too, because there's, like, moments in this film where, like, characters appear out of nowhere. That's, like, I'm, like, that's not logical, though. Like, there's there's a scene where uh, Prince Derek has to go and try to save a little kid. The Count ends up saving him and, like, giving him to Derek. And then, like, should have been, like, rushed away by the water. But somehow ends up above them. And I'm just, like, how did you get up there when there was only, like, the ladder that could get you up? Like, we were led to believe there was only a ladder to get up to the you know to safety and here you come out of nowhere like okay it happens a few times in this movie where I'm like that's not a thing that doesn't that's not no they end up having to raise money for this this village that has been obviously destroyed and it's up to the count and Odette and Derek to kind of you know try to raise funds for this for this uh this kingdom the count ends up coming to um Odette in, in Derek's kingdom. And that's where he meets Queen Huberta, who's just like falls head over heels for him. And she's just like, oh, my man, even though she's been with Rogers, Sir Rogers, since like the beginning of the series. So I'm like, dang, like y'all seven movies deep and she's now having the hots for someone else. But you know what, Rogers, you had it coming because Rogers had the hots for a sorceress in um Swan Princess Three. We'll talk about that later. But you know, he had the Hots for her. So I'm like, this is this is karma. It's it's four movies later, but it's karma. Um Rogers kind of is not feeling him. He's like, no, I don't like this. I need help. I need help to, to show this guy's a bad guy. He's had just He's had terrible thoughts and jealousy about this guy being a bad dude. So he has to enlist other people to help him. And who does he enlist? He enlists uh, Elise, um, who has, like, no... Really nothing else to do in this movie. Um, Lucas. Lucas is a boy that Elise meets in, I think, the the first movie she comes into. And he, too, like her, um, has been orphaned. Except he's not an orphan because he has parents. They just... His parents couldn't afford... They're broke. They could not afford to keep him and so they thought about putting him in an orphanage Where he might be better off and he overheard this which i was like what the hell This okay so he ends up running off and he ends up meeting elise again this is another movie so we'll talk about that later but he has now become like established into the the club and his parents by this film are doing pretty well um elise always wants him to hang out at the castle with her and she's he's like no i'm inadequate you know you're a princess i'm not you know i'm not a prince i'm not royal i shouldn't be hanging out with you and she's like that's nonsense like you're part of the club so there's that. And he and Roger have a special relationship as well. Like, they, they speak to each other. And they, it's, is it Morse code? I'm not sure if it's Morse code. But anyway, they speak to each other. And that that actually does carry on in the series, which is kind of cute. A lot of the things that this series is very aware of itself, which I kind of like. It, it's very aware of keeping it, like... Keeping patterns, it might, to some people it might seem like that's lazy, but to me it's not. I love that there's consistency in this series and there's a lot of consistency when it comes to certain things. Like I said, talking about King William, um, talking about some of, of their past like enemies in the next film, they'll mention an enemy from, from the, the, the previous films or whatever, like all of that. So all these films definitely are, you know, they, they definitely help the series, feel like everything ties in together, um, including things like this, where they speak to each other in, in their own like little language. Um, that goes on throughout the films, even as the kids get older. So I love that they do that. Anyway, so Rogers enlists um, Elise, uh, Lucas, and then Speed, Puffin, and John Bob, who are all you know characters from the, the first film. It's cute. Uberta ends up really being in love with this guy, wanting to marry him. She drops little hints to him the entire movie, and it's just... It's just a bunch of awkward. He's, like, not really feeling her. By the way, this character of Count um, Antonio, is, he's hes pretty fire. He's pretty cute. I was like, look at you. Look at you. He's rocking, like, the, the Cruella de Vil. Not quite Cruella de Vil hairstyle, but he's got, like, you know, hes he's got black on top, but white on the bottom. He, you know, he he getting up there in age, but he looking good. He doing his thing. And it's cute. It's just cute. Huberta completely just, like... Um, Ignores Roger Rogers in this movie, which by the way, I'm watching the ninth film right now, and something similar happens in that. And I'm just, listen, y'all, I'm tired of this. I don't like when characters, like, you know, are pretty much in pre-established relationships sort of and then they meet somebody new and they just forget about that other person like the other person just stops like they they stop existing to that person I don't like that in movies I don't like that character trait in, in characters I think that's really gross like it's fine to move on that's fine but what's not fine is to string somebody along and then have feelings for somebody else and then completely ignore the first person only then to realize how much that person means to you later like that's not, that's disgusting behavior to me. I think it is. Like, if you're going to go after someone new and you know you have feelings for this new person, then you need to cut ties with that first person. You just need to do, like, you just need to do that, period. Because they deserve the chance to kind of move on themselves versus having to wait around for you to figure it out. Like, he's been with Uberta now for seven movies. And the fact that, like, she just became, you know, smitten with this new dude. Like, even though they are about to get, like, married, it doesn't make any sense to me. And there's never any con... Like, there's never... Any, like, conversation about that, about her, like, like I need to let you go because I have feelings for someone else. And, again, this happens in the ninth film with two other characters that I was like, you know what? I'm through. Like, I'm just irritated. Stop it. So let's, let's not have that happen anymore, people. Can we just stop with those kind of movies? Like, again, if you're going to have feelings for th- a new player, then get rid of the old player. Like, just... Don't don't do that. Don't string that old player along until you're ready to have feelings for them again. And don't mess with the new player either like they deserve for you to be fully committed to Pursuing them, if that makes sense, I don't, like I don't know, I'm just I'm not into that. I'm not into that in my personal life either. I if I'm if I'm with somebody, I'm with that person. I'm not talking to somebody else. I don't I don't do that. I don't like that. That's not cute. No, you. The count is really trying to get her to like him. At the same time, he's also like, I'm never gonna marry her. Like he's behind the scenes telling other people like, this ain't it. Like she's 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 cool. We friends. But we ain't those kind of friends, and she's just not ready to feel. It. She's not feeling that. She's she's tired of it. Elise and Lucas, because they're helping out Rogers, they're planning on trying to get away from the situation and to see what was really up in his kingdom where he comes from. So they kind of devise this plan to give toys to the village that was destroyed. But on the way to that village, they're like, hey, if we if we go this route, you know, we can go ahead and go to his kingdom. By the way, they have like spy gadget gear which i was like wait what like state-of-the-art like spy gadget stuff which i'm like huh but that's rogers rogers like in another life was a spy or some junk so he's like giving them like spy tech of like bow ties that do all this crazy stuff um the kids obviously end up taking it and like i said it's a mission to kind of expose this guy as a bad guy and 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 show guberta that he's only in it for her money and stuff so um they end up going on this adventure to to get the toys to these kids, but of course they're going to trick the guy that's taking them. The guy that's taking them is working for uh, Count Antonio. He's got these dogs that are like, they're vicious, but like he he knows how to control them, like for them not to be vicious. They end up going to the kingdom and they, I think, end up getting captured once they're there. Like by this other guy that uh, I think is Nicholas or something like that. He ends up, like, capturing them. We end up finding out that Nicholas and Antonio, um, are in cahoots. They're both trying to take over their kingdom and also Odette's kingdom. So they're just no good men, pretty much. Um, and there's also a cat. The cat, I think his name is Nine in this. A cat with nine lives. He comes in in a previous installment, and he just so happens to be in this one, in that kingdom. Um, but he ends up, you know, kind of being a turncoat and helping, um, Elise and, uh, Lucas get out of trouble, which in the, I think the previous film he's in, he's one of the bad guys. So there's that. Um, Puffin also helps, uh, because he can fly. He also just helped try to save the day. Um, anyway, long story short, basically, um, Elise and, uh, Lucas are captured. Um, and then, uh, berta ends up Uberta and Derek both end up going after the count after realizing that he's no good. They end up having this kind of like war at sea sort of we get to see Uberta just like take the lead for a moment because she 's just irritated with the count. Uh, Derek ends up coming in though and, and I think being pretty much the one to save. The day in this, even though these are Swan Princess movies, we don't at this point we don't really get to see uh, Odette as the Swan anymore. Nor do we get to really see her take charge with the villains. She just kind of is there, like I, you know, like at some point she just kind of becomes there. Honestly, Odette is like the equivalent to Barbie in a lot of these films. Except Barbie does what Barbie does way more. Barbie definitely does fight her own battles in a lot of her films, but Odette is basically like a watered-down Barbie, which is sad because, I mean, the Swan Princess, to me... I'm not coming for Barbie. I think Barbie's iconic. But the Swan Princess is her own kind of iconic. She's almost Disney level, like, on the first movie. She's almost Disney level iconic. And so to see her take such a major backseat in her films and just kind of be reduced to, like, the Barbie character is kind of weird. Like, I I am not shading Barbie, but I'm saying there are Barbie films where Barbie just doesn't do anything. Like, you know what I'm saying? She's, like, she'll give advice. She's good to, to talk to, whatever, to bounce ideas off of. But she, in some her film she's not like the big day saver you know what i'm saying and that's kind of what odette has become is that version of barbie and that's sad because odette was at one point like she was somebody you didn't want to mess with she was smart she wasn't going to take nobody's you know nobody's crap for nothing and and that girl is gone that girl she she gone she she gone gone she gone um anyway so they end up saving the day you know everybody's everybody saves towards the end of the film the count which i thought this part was dark the count (laughs) ends up like being stranded on this island, the same island that um, Lucas meets Elise on, I believe, um, from a previous film. And this island has like man-eating, like trolls or whatever. And so there's like there's this inclination that at the end of this film, the Count ends up getting eaten by these uh, by by these trolls. So to wrap it all up, the Count was the one that flooded the 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 town. He was wearing the gloves. We eventually see he takes them off and, and uh, we can see that he obviously is is the, the bad guy. Um, like I said, he was trying to take over the kingdoms pretty much and take over the power of these three places. He was going to be in cahoots with uh, Nicholas, I think his name is, who ends up becoming the villain in the next film, uh, posing as Antonio for a moment, so that was another interesting thing so this movie was was good I actually it was it, like it wasn't terrible. I'll say that it was okay. I would watch it again probably because I did like some of the scenes some of the animation it was really nice um compared to some of the previous films like I would say four through six um I wasn't crazy about the way Odette looked um Especially in number four. She just looked really, really funky. She starts looking better. Like, they all start looking better as the movies progress. But yeah, like, to see how beautiful she was in, like, the traditional animation. And and Derek, too, I guess. and, And everybody, how charming they looked in the traditional animation. To see them look so just whatever that is in the Christmas film, the fourth movie, was just like, oh my god, no. This is just, this is just bad. This is bad, bad. So that was kind of refreshing that they didn't look as terrible. Um... The songs, I don't remember. I think there were some songs, but they weren't great. They were nothing special. Um, But it was just, it was, it's overall, it was an interesting film. I wouldn't say it was terrible. I wouldn't say it was great. But I I mean, I've seen worse Swan Princess films, and I've seen better. Like, maybe two. So, so far, two of them, I would say, are better than this film. So, right now, um, my ranking goes, the first film... Then the ninth film, which we 'll talk about later, and then the this film the seventh film um are the top three uh, out of the ones i've seen. I like number seven and number nine much better than I liked. then I can remember liking two and three, but I will get into two and three later, and i 'll have a full list of where I rank these films as far as as far as right now goes. Number nine is definitely in second place, and this one is in third. But again, I have to rewatch the the second, uh, the second and third film to see if the animated ones still hold up. Um, Cause I liked them somewhat as a kid, but I like number one was always amazing. The other two were just eh. Um, I didn't hate them. I would watch them from time to time, and I do still have them on VHS. So it's not that, like, they're terrible films. It's just that number one was really, really good, and nothing has seemed to really reach number one. But number nine is almost there, except number nine has those flaws I talked about with... Anyway, that's the end of this one. I will eventually wrap it all up for you in a nice big bow and talk about all ten films. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm going to do them separately and then all together. It's going to be great. But anyway, Swan Princess... Um, this one is that I'm doing right now that I'm talking about now. I just forgot the title of it. I'm sorry. This one is Swan Princess Royally Undercover. You can find this one on Amazon Prime. Um, that's where I watched it on. Um, the other ones seem to be kind of scattered. Um, they are all owned by Nest, which is like a family company. By the way, by, at some point in this, this film series... It kind of goes religious. I don't know where that came from. But, like, I would say movie four and beyond to start talking a lot about angels and Jesus and things like that. Like, not heavily, heavily, but enough. Like, I was just watching the ninth film and they mentioned angels, like, out of nowhere. And I'm like, okay. Like, I and I'm not, look, I'm not against, you know, anybody's religion or anything. I'm Christian myself. But I just thought it was weird because I'm like, the first three films don't really, that I remember, don't, like, mention angels or demons or anything like that. So this is, like, they they mention the dark arts, yes, but they don't talk about, like, angels and anything else like that. So it was kind of strange that, like, these movies started really doing that. After the Christmas film when they actually mention Jesus in the Christmas film, that they start bringing in these ideas, which I was like, that's interesting. I don't think that's a bad thing. I just think that's just, it's interesting. That's all I can really say. I mean, in a lot of animated films, I've talked about this before, but a lot of animated films, you see characters praying, Snow White prays, Pinocchio's father prays. Um, God is mentioned in quite a few Disney films, actually. Um, so, are, so are, you know, devils and stuff. But it's just like, those are I guess when you're first, like, they're from the first movie. So there's already that foundation. So if it if it comes up again in the series, you can always reference back to the first film. But I feel like when things start happening out of nowhere, it's just like, where did this come? Like, how did this happen? Like, the fourth movie, like I said, is the is the first one that I remember starts talking about Jesus. And then it seems to keep going with angels and Jesus and things like that um, as the movies progress. Which I was like, that's that just seems very odd, which is funny because like Richard Rich is the director of this, pretty much this entire series. And I believe he's like, he has his own animation company. So he's been a part of it since day one, since moment one. I think he also was a part of the Black Cauldron uh, for Disney, but it just seems really interesting that out of nowhere, they just start mentioning Jesus and, and angels um, In their 2012 release, but don't really mention it in the 90s movies before then. So it's just I'm not sure. Again, I'll have to go back and rewatch because maybe I missed something early on. But I just felt like that was really strange, like a strange turn of events. I guess. Um, but this movie series is pretty strange. So yeah, I'll see you guys next time. But yes, Royally Undercover, um, is going to be on Amazon Prime. As far as I know, that's the only place I've seen it. And I hear that you can watch them on Stars whenever they decide to come on. So I will give you more details. Um, the next one that I'm going to be covering is going to be, um, the ninth installment, which is like a Royal Wedding or something like that. Um, the one that I just I just finished watching that one you can watch now on Tubi which is what I watch for free on my phone so definitely give that one a chance I did like that movie I will talk about that one next and I'll see you guys next time peace